This is a GRDC podcast. It would be unthinkable for a farmer to sow a crop with absolutely no knowledge of the nutrient levels in the soil that plants need to thrive throughout their life cycle. But this is what is happening year after year on countless farms around Australia. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. No, I'm not talking about the nutrient levels in the top few centimetres of your soil. I'm sure everyone is well aware of that. No, what I'm talking about here is the health and wealth of your soils deep down, where plants seek out life-giving nutrients as they grow. On this podcast, we'll look at one set of trials in southern Queensland, examining the benefit of placing phosphorus and potassium deep in the soil, where they are often lacking after many, many years of farming. I've travelled with Dr David Lester from the Queensland Department of Agriculture and Fisheries out a couple of hours from Toowoomba to Jimbor to visit one of the trial sites on a farm owned by the Alexander family. Phosphorus, of course, is problematic because it's immobile in the soil. It stays where you put it until it's used by the plant, as David Lester explained to me. It's a recovery issue. Soils have a natural stratification about them, so as nutrients are taken up by the plant and deposited on the soil surface with leftover stubbles, that's the part of the soil that's being enriched. However, that's not where most of the plant is feeding for most of the time during the growing season. So we have very enriched topsoil layers and we have a big soil test bank and crop response knowledge about applications of starter phosphorus. But the lack of knowledge was about what happens if you get below that layer in the soil. Most of the rundown of soil fertility in terms of phosphorus is taken up between 10 and 30 centimetres and even below that between 30 and 60. That was where we were able to account for depleting phosphorus fertility. Work started on the idea of replacing phosphorus deep in the soil profile about 10 years ago. The results from that was yes by going with a deeper placement crops can get better access to the applied nutrient and so we were generating yield responses out of that. That work however was just presence or absence it was just do it or not there was no nuance about is it economic what does different rate impacts have on how the crop responds. So let's introduce farmer John Alexander Where we are today is the paddock where the trial site is situated. His country is a mix of creek soils, box and loam, with low phosphorus and potassium levels at depth. Fortunately for John, in such a dry year, he was able to plant a Spartacus barley crop thanks to some timely storms. Well, we've been kind of fortunate during the winter. We weren't that fortunate during the summer, but yeah, we uh, planted around mid-July here we've had a couple of different plantings where we've been able to get the soil to join because the soil here is that bit lighter the moisture actually moves down and winter rain here is very useful whereas in summer it does tend to evaporate a lot quicker. We decided this year we'd set out the end of our planting window to the end of July and luckily we were able to get something in here on this paddock middle of July and and see what happens Um, and we've done an even a little trial at 
in August. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay, we'll hear more from John just a bit later on. But first, let's hear from David Lester setting the scene for these trials. We've got five rates of phosphorus we've put in deep here. We've got zero, which we've put in multiple times to know what's really our starting point here. We've then got application rates at 10, 20, 30 and 60 kilos of phosphorus to the hectare. Now that all went in as MAP, as monoammonium phosphate. It's on 50 centimetre band spacings and it's about 20 to 25 centimetres deep in the profile. We put that in December 2013. Something like that, yep. And then that's allowed enough time for the rainfall events over summer and then John's first crop we planted that was in May 2014. So we have had some previous experiences where we've tried to get the deep treatments in too late relatively in the fallow cycle and the first crop we've tried to grow after that hasn't come up because the soil wasn't in the right conditions to get the seed up. So any of the phosphorus experiment, any of this deep tillage work that we're doing, we're trying to get it done as early in the fallow as we can so that by the time we get to sowing, we have as few complications of crop establishment as possible. And part of that is too, when you when you go down that deep, if you're going in with any soil moisture here, it just makes it a lot harder. So you really want to be behind a crop that's already drained out the system fairly well. Maybe a little bit of moisture on top so it's not being clumpy as you as you're busting through it but you know if it's if it's straight after a crop it's a lot easier to do that's for sure okay so that's an important message you should consider the timing of your application now david as any good scientist would wanted to be sure that the results he was seeing weren't influenced by other factors. So he did what he calls a basal treatment, where he made sure that other nutrients like nitrogen, potassium and zinc weren't lacking in the soil, similar to that old adage about the leaky bucket of nutrients. So the combination of some deep tillage, so so breaking up some perhaps some implicit hard pans or some residual compaction that's in the soil, plus the little bit of extra nutrition, and that was a 10% yield response. The potent, the phosphorus responses are over and above that. How big are those responses? The phosphorus and potassium responses seem to be very species related. So the grass crops, so sorghum, barley, wheat, have a relatively low potassium demand. It's not saying that we're not getting responses to the potassium applied, but they're much more interested in phosphorus first and then potassium. The pulse species, it's the other way around, particularly through central Queensland and through this experiment here at Walmer, we are getting big responses to potassium addition first and then additive effects of phosphorus after that. And so there's quite a species contrast between the sensitivity of looking at which nutrient is limiting for what crop in what year. Well, John, what sort of responses then are you getting from increased P and increased K? I guess it depends on the amount and uh, and whatnot, but certainly early on we were getting 30 to 40% increases in some of the trials. Uh, I think the first barley one had a fairly good increase, but we couldn't work out whether that was uh, the deep P, deep K and breaking up the soil because this soil does have a, a natural hard set to it too, which is something we're trying to get our heads around. But I think even the chickpeas and the mung beans have shown increases of 20, 20%. Yeah, there's certainly some, some times it's been high compared to the relative yield, but again, it depends on how season's gone too. 
One of the other issues David's looking at is if there's been a build-up of nutrient in the topsoil and you replace the phosphorus or potassium deep in the soil, do you still need starter pea at sowing? The experiments are set up so that it's a combination of with and without starter across the range of deep treatments. So we have three factors we can then look at. Is it a starter effect? Is it a deep effect? Is it an interaction between the starter and deep? Most of the experiments we are seeing, we are growing less grain if we're not using a starter product. So our recommendation to growers is just keep doing their starter as they have been. Now, another important message here is about nitrogen. One of the things that's happening, Chris, particularly with the cereal crop, we're setting bigger yields and we're removing more nitrogen out of the system. So in the first year or two, there's probably enough residual fertility from nitrogen from previous nitrogen applications for the crop to get by on. As that moves on, though, you need to make sure that you reassess your nitrogen management strategies to make sure that you have enough nitrogen inputs to allow that higher yield potential to be expressed. So as you correct phosphorus levels in the soil profile you must also make sure that you adjust nitrogen levels so that low levels of nitrogen don't limit your yields. We've had examples of sorghum uh, in central Queensland where we haven't achieved a yield benefit through deep P or K and it's just the crop didn't have enough nitrogen. Now if you want to measure the importance of this work just think about how our soils have changed as cropping has taken over from livestock production. Well there was a, a bigger pool of natural fertility that was there so once we started cultivating the ground those organic layers were then started to be mineralized by the, the natural microbial processes that are there yes those initial crops were relying on that. And I mean, you know, I remember back in the day when I was at school and, you know, the Darling Downs will never need fertiliser. But it's just, that's just a function of time. You know, nothing lasts forever. My sincere thanks to David Lester from Queensland DAF and Jimbo grower John Alexander for their time and patience. My name is Chris Brown.